Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Have Faith in God. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all for those expressions of faith. Appreciate it. Takes a lot of nerve to get up here and sing in front of people. I always like to sing, but you know, my nerves just go haywire. So, very good. Hope I didn't leave my notes behind. It's already a quarter after, so we should be here, gone in a few minutes, maybe. Have faith in God. Uh, when we hear those words, it usually means that we are facing or about to face some sort of a trial or trouble that, that lies ahead. And with it sometimes comes a feeling, perhaps of doubt, maybe of fear, trepidation of some sort, and it just starts to wind, your, wind its way into your mind and into your heart, and you don't know what you're going to do. So some may say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not up to this. That's what I say uh, uh, quite a bit. Uh, have you ever felt that way, that you're just not up to some sort of trial or challenge that may be in your life? The scripture says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small, over in Proverbs 24.10. So the question might be is, what is God going to do in answer to our prayer? What's he going, how's he going to solve the problem that we might be facing? You know, Many times, my confidence, what little I have, has been shaken. My knees get weak. Uh, the, the spirit just seems, just seems to sink, and, and, and all of a sudden, you're shouldered with some sort of a burden that comes upon you. Your friends and family might say to you, well, you know, have faith in God. And, you know, it gives us encouragement to a point, and it, it sounds really good that, you know, someone really, you know, can say that to you. You just have to believe it. Now, what if Jesus said those words to you? What if he was the one who said to you, have faith in God? That would be a lot more encouraging. Well, when you look into the word of God in Mark 11 and verse 22, it says, Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this Mountain, be thou removed, and be you cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. I've never put this to the test, and I don't think I will. But therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have, and you shall have them. So we see here a very powerful and amazing promise that, you know, from other scriptures we know that all things are possible with God, and that all things work to good for them that love God, because we know that's, that's what the scripture says. Now when Jesus said this, to have faith in God, that is, you know, the eternal, it was a response to a, in response to a fig tree 
that he had cursed because it bore no fruit. So, in, there in Mark 11, 11 and 14, Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about upon all things around the temple there, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So, the next time they passed by it, uh, the disciples saw that this tree was all withered, that it had shrunk because, you know, there was just no uh, water. It was, had virtually dried up. And so in the morning, verse 20, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered, say, said unto them, Have faith in God. So there's a very deep uh, meaning behind these words. Have faith in God. When they saw this fig tree all withered up. So at the time that Jesus spoke these words, it was a pronouncement that, you know, it didn't happen to them as, as they heard his words being spoken. It, it, they might not have thought much about it at the time that Jesus pronounced this curse upon, upon this tree. And that's kind of like us sometimes. They, they probably thought, well, you know, Jesus was just, was just uh, frustrated because he couldn't find any fruit, which, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, even we uh, sometimes think, you know, what good are you, you know, just wish you hadn't been here. But there, uh, there's a way that, uh, you know, sometimes we curse things. We wish bad things upon uh, things that don't go our way. But this miracle serves as an example of how powerful faith can be. Now, Jesus, he didn't have to say those words. He could have just, you know, wished it, not said it out loud. But he said it as an example in the hearing of those uh, disciples so that they would learn something from those words about having faith in God. Now, Christ, of course, was looking for fruit. You know, sometimes you get a, you, when you think about fruit, you think about the spiritual things that are supposed to be evident in our life. But he found none. And the time for gathering was near. And there should have been figs on the tree. It just it wasn't time for the gathering just yet. But there was none as he had expected. So it would serve as an example. Some have interpreted this as the people of that generation. And it could be to ours today that when he comes, he expects to find fruit. And so when he went to the temple where he should expect to find some godliness there, he didn't find it. In verse 15, back up in 15, and they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple. And he began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. And he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. 
And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the priests, the religious authorities in that time, they heard it. And they sought how they might destroy him. Instead of thinking about what they were doing, they were thinking of ways to put uh, to silence Jesus' words. But they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. So Christ went into that temple to boldly begin to clear out, clear out its courts of what uh, things and to turn away ungodliness from the things that were going on in there. So this withered fig tree could and would represent any who bore no godly fruit as well as those who may reject Christ because by the power of his words we see that he is able to save or to destroy. So then we see where Christ taught them the power of faith in prayer and in faith in God. In Luke chapter 18, and he, verse 1, and he spoke a parable unto them to the same, to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to give it up. Saying there, uh, and he gave this as a parable, he said there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. This man is troubling me. I can't, I can't seem to shake him. And he would not for a while. So, the, you know, the judge held off. You know, this is, her patience was being tested. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wears me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust said, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Sometimes we don't always receive an immediate answer to our prayer, and it takes time that that answer will come. But he's not like that unjust judge. He does hear our prayers. But like this judge, eventually an answer comes. And I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on earth. And so that faith he's going to be looking for in us. So Jesus expects to find a praying church, a, a praying people who have faith in God. Hebrews 11 Verse 1, you know, it says the Bible defines faith as a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's all about having confidence that what is desired will be as promised, though you don't see it. It's not in hand yet. It's like, you know, a salary or wages that you expect to receive at the end of the week. It's like... My wife and I expect, you know, the Social Security check to come in on a certain date. I think, I don't know, is it 24th or something like that. But it's going to come. We know it. We, we have faith that it's going to come. We just hope, you know, nothing uh, touches it in the meantime. But 
But it also is likened to that. It is also likened to uh, the certainty that the bridge that you're about to cross is safe to cross. You know, at one time, that bridge over there toward Wagner, you know, that rickety iron bridge that was narrow, you know, there was a little bit of trepidation, but we still had faith that, you know, it was passable. Now they have a brand new bridge there that really looks safe, and so you got a lot more faith in it. But this faith is a very deep spiritual thing. It's, a, it's, it's something inside of you that just gives you a connection to what's going to come to pass if you keep it. So we are sure and we have conviction that the material things that we see around us, everything that we see before us, uh, that w were framed by the word of God because we, we see it in, in the Bible. So that things which are, are seen were not made of things which do appear. So, you know, we are sure that there are smaller things molecules, atoms, and so on, cells that make up all the things that we see. And that takes faith, believing in the word of God. So we are persuaded by the words also that in the beginning it says, God created the heavens and the earth. So we believe also that at God's command, all things came into existence. Everything that we see, birds, fish, animals of all sorts, flowers, things of, uh, of that sort. And we know also that that greatest miracle, of course, is the one we see each day in the mirror or in uh, the faces of our children or our loved ones. We know that we were given life. So he who comes to God must believe that he exists because he is the I am, the ever-present and the everlasting and that he is the eternal. And that's who he is. And he can be called upon to help us through and understand this journey of life no matter what our condition or our situation or our weakness is. Believe in God. Have faith in God, said Jesus. So when a trial sets in, it is then that we begin sometimes to desperately wonder well, what what will God do? How's the prayer? How's the belief? How's the trust? How's the faith going to be answered? But again, we are given the words of hope and comfort with Jesus saying to us and to you and me, let not your heart be troubled. So I know that there are times in my life when many times in my life when trouble comes my way and sorrows may come my way. These words should ring out from Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. We know also that the scripture says that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Though life presents many trials, it presents many troubles, and the thing of it is, is that God allows them. He allows them to take place in our life. And in this, you know, in this world, we're not totally uh, 
uh, free of sin. We're not totally free of worry or, or fear or weakness. This is, you know, the world we live in. This is the age we live in. Because Jesus did tell us that you shall have tribulation. And as long as Satan is in the world, there will be troublesome times. There will be confusion. There will be other things like persecution and war and sickness. Disease of all sorts. And sometimes we will fall victim to those ways of the world or to temptation or to sin. And God uses them to build our faith. Because we have to exercise virtues of patience and hope in overcoming a particular trial or trouble. So you might wonder, well, why is faith so important? One of the reasons is, is that it is a key to the kingdom of God, along with hope and along with love or charity. But whatever the trial be, uh, might be, we are to rest assured that we will not be tempted above what we are able to endure, but with the temptation, make a way of escape. That's what the Apostle Paul said when, you know, he went through all these uh, troubles and these trials and even uh, through stoning. So he knew this to be true. In the book of Psalms 103, verse 13 through 15, how does God see us? even in our trials of faith, even in our strength. As a father pities his children, it says, the Lord pities them that fear him, that, you know, that respect him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. Yet we sometimes slip into this mold of a, of a doubting Thomas. He disbelieved his fellow disciples when they told him that they had seen Jesus. That he had risen from the dead. And Thomas said, verse 20, I think it is. Okay, it's going up there. Um, he said, I will not believe except that I shall see in his hands. That I shall see in his hands the print of those nails. And put my finger into his side. I will not believe until, you know, I see those things. So Thomas's attitude is like an attitude of a lot of people, including me, who have to have things that they can verify by looking at tangible signs as tokens of proof. But as we read on in verse 26, then came Jesus. Jesus came, the doors being shut, because he walked through them, walked through the wall somehow, and there he was, and he stood in the midst, and they, you know, they were, they were kind of frightened by this. And he said, peace be unto you. You know, don't, you know, don't worry. Don't let peace reign in you because it's me. Then said he to Thomas, he looked around, saw Thomas there, reach your finger and look at my hands and reach your hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. How would we have felt had we been there among the disciples to see this, this miracle of Jesus, that he was no longer flesh and blood? So these words of Jesus reach out to us today. And Thomas answered and said to Jesus, in what we can see as a great humility and proclamation of praise toward him, saying, 
when he realized, when he saw the prints, when he uh, saw the cut in the side and he reached his finger into them because they were still there, that he finally said, my Lord and my God. So in verse 27, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You know, that is us. We have not seen those things. That is us. Those words, of course, were written for our sake today. But these disciples, they knew Jesus. They touched him. They heard his voice. They were around him. They saw his miracles firsthand, even as Thomas did. But blessed are we who have not seen him. Because it says, the just shall live by faith. Verse 30 through 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name, by the authority of Jesus. He said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly over in John 10.10. 10. And he said that, I don't have the scriptural reference, but he said that the, that the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In today's world, in spite of the many blessings that, that we have, in spite of the many blessings that, that we can have access to, it is still an imperfect world. But as long as our life, of course, is untouched by the misery and the suffering and all of these things that we see imperfect in our world, as long as it's, you know, not us, the poverty, the sickness, the distresses that much of the world goes through day to day, you know, we don't worry too much about it. We go on and live the best we can. Nothing wrong in that, but, but we need to be on guard against letting down our faith, even as we struggle through various, various trials. Because there is this thief that seeks to take our possessions that we have in Jesus Christ if we are not on guard. So we must have on our armor, as you know, Ephesians tells us. In Romans 13, I don't think I gave you this one, Rick, but Romans 13, it tells us to cast off works of darkness. You know, in the song we heard about living in the light, living in the hope that there is a future to come. But it says to put on the armor of light. That's living in the eternal's word and believing in God. But when you think about it, we live in a world in which there is a famine of the word. You know, it, the Bible predicts a, a famine of the word to come even now. There is that starvation. The Bible will always be there. It will always be here. And God will see to that. Maybe, you know, on a shelf gathering dust or, or somewhere under, underneath a pile of books. But the Bible will be there. And, but more and more, it seems, who partakes of it nowadays? We see that this famine of the world is evident in the way our politics are. 
our society is and business and all of those things. So the admonition of Paul when writing this, he said, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering, which, you know, is from the word carousel, you know, going around in circles, and wantonness, which is, you know, cohabitation, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. You know, uh, you can read where the works of the flesh are over there in Galatians 5. So, have faith in God. Let's go to Matthew 9. Now, in the verses that precede this, you know, Jesus is teaching about the prudence of not putting new wine into old wineskins because they're a little bit weaker and they'll, they'll, they'll bust. In the same way, uh, you know, when you try to uh, introduce some doctrine that may be true but is not really up to the maturity of the individual to understand, uh, it's wise to go about it in the right way. But while he spake these things, verse 18, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead. Told Jesus, my daughter is dead. She, she's dead now. But come and lay your hand upon her, and she shall live. So Jesus arose, and he followed him, and so did his disciples. And, you know, during that walk from when Jesus got up, when he heard the man's uh, plea that he went to go to his daughter, there was, you know, as you take those steps, you wonder, what's Jesus going to do? Will she live? And on his way, behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years, came behind him, and she touched the hem of his, of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. There's something about, you know, touching someone you really ex respect or admire. Uh, uh, maybe an article uh, that they had, you know, how some people might uh, cut a lock of hair and, and they'll cherish it or they cherish an autograph or, or something of that sort. It's, you know, you've come into contact with somebody that is dynamic. A little bit of idol worship in me, I guess you could say. When I was, when I was a kid, I used to hear this uh, song. I, some of you may remember. His name was Fabian. Ever heard of Fabian? He had some songs, and so uh, over in Branson, uh, he made an appearance there, and uh, so he walked right by me, you know. I kind of stuck out my hand so that he'd shake it, but no, he didn't, so I just, you know, just felt his, his coat go by, and that was it, and, you know. There's just a crowd of people. But Jesus felt this touch of this woman who was in desperate needs. And she said, if I but touch his gar garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good courage, of good comfort, that is, thy faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, 
He said unto them, Give place, for this maid is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. They were all there. They were playing the, the dirges, the music. They were, you know, crying and weeping and all of that. But when the people were put forth, he went in, and he took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. Went about quickly, you know, uh, saying, uh, did you hear about this? What Jesus did. And when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, You son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came, unto, came to him and said, And Jesus said unto them, Believe you that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes. Touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, so be it unto you. So through many miracles in his time, Jesus proved he, his power as the Son of God. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the scripture says. The people saw him, they witnessed his miracles, and they believed him. And they had faith that they could rely on him because they saw what he could do. But some did not believe as we, as we read in Matthew 13. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then has this man all these things? How did this man come to have all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Sometimes, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. We see people so often that, you know, well, we think, well, who is this? Should they, should they uh, start doing things of that sort? And it can, you know, it can breed contempt. It could breed doubt. It could breed other dispositions that will impede one's faith, one's trust. And he did not many works there because of their unbelief. Do we carry around shreds of unbelief in our life? So the question that many of us may have is, when things don't go our way, when things aren't answered, is it because, you know, we think I don't have the faith that all my trials and troubles are miraculously solved and put to an end? Back to Hebrews chapter 11. You know, we can read there, there are many examples of faith and positive results from Abel to Abraham, from Jacob to Moses, on to Rahab. In verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, having not received the promises, but having, having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They knew life was temporary. They knew that when the end of life came, there was hope in the resurrection. That when things are going wrong in their life, that things are not solved right then and there, there's that hope that is coming. And there, uh, even though there would be uh, uh, pain and suffering, they confessed that they were but pilgrims and strangers. 
But still, they looked ahead to better things. They had hope for better things, and they were persuaded of them and embraced them despite whatever difficulty they had. Verse 32, What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, and Jephthah, David, Samuel, and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and we see women receive their dead raised to life again, though others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. There were trials of cruel mockings, scourgings, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. Some were stoned, some were sawn asunder. They were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. So we can count our blessings today, can't we? Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and, and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all, these, all of these people, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Romans 1, verse 17, For herein, or therein, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, that faith looks to better things than what we see around us. Even though we may not have all the answers all at once or in a powerful way, or even right now, the just shall live by faith. One of these days, I live by the faith, you know, that I don't need these glasses anymore. But his grace is sufficient unto me for this time. We also know that we can count on the words of Jesus and his commandments that will lead us uh, uh, through life. That will move us toward that hope that we have. Verse, uh, Matthew 9 and verse 10, it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house... Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eat your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold don't need a physician, but they that are sick. But go and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we should all be glad, and I should be glad, that he called me to repentance, that he called you to repentance, and to have faith in God. You know, just as a doctor, a physician has a calling, a, a compassion for people to use his skills and his brain power to, to make people well, Jesus came to save and to heal, not only those from sickness, but from the spiritual ruin of sin. Because we are not perfect. No matter how much we try to be or how much we think we are, we are not perfect. And we don't live in a perfect world. But we know that precious in the sight of God is the death of one of his saints, of those who die in faith. But what do we do to keep the faith? 
There are, let me see, I forgot. There are 40 things I want to give you. No, four. Sounds better, doesn't it? First thing, pray. Pray without ceasing. You know, you can't stay on your knees the whole day through and all the night through. You know, there's a point where, you know, you just, you, you can't, you said it all or asked it all. What it means is to make it a daily habit and not let it go, not let it pass, not let it slip. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive, ask and it shall be given you. And ask in faith, nothing wavering. You see those in Matthew 21, also in James uh, chapter 1. But we all experience various afflictions that challenge our faith from time to time. And when that happens, pray. Answers will come according to God's will, not ours. In James 1.5, sometimes you may wonder, well, why am I not receiving an answer to this prayer? Like the woman 12 years prayed, I'm sure. And then, in, even in our own life, we think, well, why, why can't I get an answer? If any of you, James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all, to all men, freely or liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So if we don't understand the way things are going, ask, and you won't be upbraided. You, he, God won't find fault or rebuke you severely for, you know, for asking. He will upbraideth not. The second thing is to draw near to God. We can talk about, you know, coming to church and all those things. Uh, those is one way you draw near to God, to listen to his word. But there are many worldly distractions that can draw time away from prayer, from Bible study and fellowship, especially when things are going smoothly in life. And sometimes, you know, you know it's, we can be physically tired and put it off. But like the question was asked, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on earth? Will he find it in you, dedicated to him? Draw near to God. And you know the scripture says, and he will draw near to you. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, we, we see that it says, to be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. One of the things I remember growing up was when my mother uh, would be in the kitchen and she would be singing psalms. She would be singing a hymn. And... You know, when you, are, when you are happy or when you're feeling uh, uh, even low, sometimes you, you'll sing a song, lift your spirits or something to comfort you. And it's, it's really good. Sometimes I, I hear uh, little children singing or humming a tune in their head because it, it brings a bit of joy. It brings a bit of comfort. It brings a bit of peace to your soul. 
when you play the guitar, you know, you have a spirit that wants to be expressed. Or when you sing, it comes from the heart. Now, like earlier I said, you know, I don't like to, uh, it's been a long time since I sang up here. Uh, after that last tomato was thrown, I uh, decided I shouldn't sing anymore. But, <laughs> but I'm just kidding, of course. But at my house, you know, I have, I have a keyboard. I have, a guitar, I have not just one guitar, but many. And I'm the only one who hears me sing. <laughs> I'm the only one who hears me play the piano. Maybe Art knows a little bit, but he watches me sometimes. He encourages me because he's, he's very good. I'm glad he does. You know, leads, uh, leads those tunes. And all, all, everyone that comes up here to, uh, for hymns and things, it, it amounts to our peace and our praise of God. So, <clears throat> if God seems far away in a time of trial and your faith just doesn't seem to want to stand up, it, it's, it's, that, it's that, as I've seen on some of these church marquee signs, if God seems far away, it's because we are far away. It's because of our own disconnect for whatever reason. The third thing, of course, is have faith. Because we know without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith is defined as you know, the substance of things hoped for. And I explained that. But faith is a spiritual matter. And not everything may be answered at once. Faith is often a trial or a test of endurance that God allows you. In 2 Peter, verse 1, 5, we read this. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Virtue means valor. It means courage in the face of peril or, or danger. To that we are to add knowledge, the knowledge of Christ, and other hope, helpful sources of knowledge that will give us courage. 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So sometimes there are burdens and trials that last a lifetime, but through them, Though hard to understand how or why there is going to come an answer. Verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. The fourth thing is to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In Psalm 1, 1 through 3, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted 
by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in, in his season. His life, all, uh, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. It's been many, many years back in the early 70s when my wife and I first attended you know, Worldwide Church of God, and, and they had this hymnal, you know, this hymnal that uh, was unfamiliar to me you know, because it wasn't Protestant. But then this was the song that I remember the most hearing. They were scriptural. Uh, Blessed and happy is the man who does never walk astray. It's, uh, this uh, psalm is, uh, I started to sing that, aren't you glad I didn't? But. but it's a song that I remember. And this, I see I have a couple of minutes here. This sermon actually is longer than I planned. And I once read that a sermon can help in different ways. Some rise from it greatly strengthened. Others wake up from it greatly refreshed. <laughs> but it is the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus will be looking for when he returns. It is the fruit that is planted in faith. It is the Spirit from on high that Jesus bestowed upon his disciples on the day of Pentecost, which has been passed on to us today. So we have to exercise, we have to believe in that spirit that he has given to us to overcome. Then when he returns at the last trump, at the last trump, those who have died in Christ and those who are alive doing his will will be raised to immortality, to incorruptible spirit. So we just have to do as Jesus said, have faith in God.